Craft Beer Radio, episode 383, on the 11th of June, 2016. We were young And welcome to the beginning of the 11th year of Craft Beer Radio on the 11th of June, as we have a bunch of beers in front of us. Yeah, we, we? an anniversary snuck by us. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> 11, it's prime. I like it. It was actually on Friday when you were at Sabres, yeah, so hopefully yeah. you had a hell of an anniversary there. It was fun. It was fun being at Sabres. So what are we starting with, Jeff? Whales, bro. Sierra Whales. Nevada Pale Ale. Sierra <laughs> Pale Ale at one time. Well, never, was, old, yeah, old. never really, because it was usually pretty available, uh, but definitely one of the classics of the genre. Yeah, with Palette Drift, you know, it probably doesn't seem as hoppy as it once did, so I think we definitely want to get yeah. this guy on first, because it's probably going to seem like a subtle and nuanced beer, as opposed to a, oh my god, this was when I was, hops. when I was working uh, downtown, you know, 10 years ago, and... Uh, or no, for more than that, 15 years ago. Uh, and they would bring in beers. Um, you know, I, w- I would look for like um, Newcastle because mm-hmm. this was too flowery, too, too hoppy. I didn't know at the time, but it was too hoppy for me. Right. Uh, and yeah, now. <laughs> <laughs> now we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I got this bottle uh, from a coworker, Brian. We shared, a, traded a couple beers. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this on the show. So we have a golden color, a little bit, uh, a little bit reddish golden, maybe bronzish. Yeah, bronzish. I would say clear as you'd expect. Poured with a pretty tight head, shaving cream, shaving foam style head. That's we did do we did do this beer on the show once before, yeah, back in episode twenty on uh, in November of two thousand five. Wow. Five point six percent alcohol by volume. 38 IBUs, Magnum and Perlay hops are the bittering and cascade to finish. Two row pale and caramel are the malts that are utilized. And they use a plain old ale yeast, they say. It's just, I think it's just going to show me how wrecked my, or how drifted my palate is because I'm smelling it. It smells malty, doesn't it? It smells. It does. It smells malty. I'm looking for the hops. I'm looking for what I remember from years and years ago. Oh, we should have. I should have pulled it from the archives. It could have played our review from then. But we had awful palettes then, too. Yes. So. Yeah, we had not explored the range. Yeah, French toast-like. Yeah. Yeah, it's mostly malty. I think there's a little wisp of something that's a little bit florally in there, but it's on on a modern palette. Get them. I mean, you know, bittering was Magnum and Perlet. Pretty known bittering hops finishing just cascade so i mean mm. you're just getting a cascade aroma right so yeah i mean it's not not, not nearly the kind of stuff that they put in beers now right it does have some hop flavor to it absolutely absolutely so you starts off malty especially with my second sip i'm actually digging into the hops a lot more mm-hmm. and uh it finishes with a moderate bitterness to it and a little bit of malty lingering as well. So yeah, it's still a hop-forward beer for sure. It has a very considerable malty backbone that um, you wouldn't find out of a West Coast uh, pale ale today, typically. Yeah, probably not. 
you probably find it with a much more base malt mm -hmm. and keeping it light and much paler and then piling on some more hops yeah i think almost almost like vienna lagerish in terms of the the way it's going with this malt the the malt the touch of malt i can see where you're saying i mean don't don't drive on that road for too long right yeah. because it's not a lager there's a whole bunch of things that i look for in a vienna lager that's not here but yeah if you're looking for like that bread crust like the mm -hmm. white bread crust uh type flavor along the lines of vienna lager i can see what you're saying for sure That caramel malt wasn't, and yeah, the um, mostly the hopping there is just a, a plain cascade, just tangerineish, um, a little orangey, not really much else. The the rest of it is, is more bitter than anything else. Mm -hmm. So, not very complicated, but classic and endearing, because it's not um, it's not trying to do too much. It definitely is um, quenching my thirst. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I'm through most of my six ounces of the mm -hmm. sample. I think this is one where it's not, you know, I would like to have a 12 ounce and kind of spend yeah. more time with it. See how else it develops as we're drinking it. But I'm with you. That tangerine flavor is coming through pretty strong. I'm getting plenty of fruit, citrus, you know, floral out of it. It's, it stands up. I'm happy. Mm -hmm. I had one of these... Not too long ago at a bar, or I forget where I was, right? But, I, you know, I had it. It was not my first beer of the night, you know, and yeah. I was kind of unimpressed, right? But, you know, this one, now that we're sitting down and looking at it. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's not going to blow your socks off. And it's not it's not hitting us like, say, something that we don't get off, like, say, Spotted Cow, where mm -hmm. we were, like, we were enamored by it, partially because we've never really had it before, uh, and we don't get beers like that. This is a beer that we've had before plenty of times. We're used to it. And we also, it served as, as one of the templates for all the stuff that came afterwards. So it's mm -hmm. still, it's represented in various forms by the beers that we have today. So what we're getting is sort of a precursor. But there's that. You can you can look yeah. at it as a gateway beer. You know, if you got people who don't have the palate drift to mm -hmm. like super hoppy beers, you know, they would probably find this thing pretty hoppy. Yeah. So you definitely use it as a gateway for that as well. Let's move on to one of these roundabout beers that you picked up. Yes. It's very hot today. Pacific and Rings. I decided to drive out to a little brewery that's uh, close by. It's a growler-only brewery uh, called Roundabout. And get a couple small 32-ounce growlers. Yep. They call these rounds. The brewery. So we are getting, we started with Pacific Ring. This is their IPA. Uh, features Nelson Salvin and Cascade Hops. I believe this is what we had when Greg was in town last time. I think okay. so. It could have been. It might be. I just saw a tweet that this thing is back on tap, yeah. but it sounded like they don't have it. This is all a seasonal, I believe. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> so okay, so we have. It's a little bit different than this year, Nevada Pale Ale. Just, just just a bit. Uh, not nearly as clear. Obviously, very very cloudy. Uh, straw like color sort of a little lemonade-ish like in color and it has a about a finger's worth of nice fluffy head very cloudy it's one of those cloudy ipas the ones that look almost like yeah. an orange juice this one's a little bit paler than orange juice and there's a i don't know there's a bit of like a 
There's like a mass to it, like a little yeah. bit of a brownishness or something. Yeah. Has some viscosity to it, apparently. <laughs> the aroma is big on the hops. Like air freshener size. Mm-hmm. Like, like you just open one up, you know, super fresh, and it's powerful. When you first sniff it, I think you're getting the Nelson. You're getting something that's kind of grape-like. Mm-hmm. You're getting something that's a little bit more earthy. But then, as you keep smelling, it turns into this big imperial grapefruit-type smell. And that's probably like a massive amount of Cascade thrown in there. It just it has a lot of, of aroma going on. There's Can't really get much into the malt. There's not much that's showing up there. It's just right now hops it, it's it's hop it's bursting with hop aroma it's bursting with hop flavor very juicy has a kind of a pineapple tangerine mm-hmm. grapefruit type juice flavor to it a little bit into the passion fruit area too just oh yeah and especially in the aftertaste mm-hmm. i'm getting that the passion fruit this thing's up to 60 degrees so Letting out all its aroma and flavor mm-hmm. at this temperature. This is Roundabout Brewing, by the way. They're the, we've had them on the show previously. Their beers on the show previously. Been open for three or so years now, maybe four. Yeah, I think so. They're out in Lawrenceville, which is um, I'm trying to think of where that is in relation to the city. I believe it's the river, the Allegheny River, the river that goes to the north that may, the confluence is at the Ohio. It is. Um, on the south shore of the Allegheny, right, probably about four miles out of town, five miles out of town. If you were to follow what uh, an area that we call Southside and just keep going down. The strip. Is it Strip? Is strip. it Strip. Oh, I thought it was Southside. No, Southside's on the south side of the Monongahela right. River. Oh, okay. Hmm. You crossed the river to get to it, right? Yeah, I went to I went twenty eight. So I'm, I, I whenever I go twenty eight, I'm not really sure of my direction that I'm going. Okay. I think that, no, that's the thing. It's it's. Lawrenceville is west or east of the Strip District. Okay. Okay. That so makes sense. That, does, that does make sense. Lawrenceville. Yeah. Way east, like 30 streets down. Yeah, Lawrenceville starts at 38th or so. Yeah. And the Strip District that we're used to is around 17th, 18th, 19th in that area. It's to 25th or 26th. Yeah. This is good. This is mm-hmm. really good. Hope you got your fill of Pittsburgh, um, <laughs> Pittsburgh navigation. Hmm, it, it, it's very good. It doesn't, it doesn't do much besides deliver you those hops, but really that's all it does need to do. Yeah, it's funny because the next one is the Imperial IPA. Right. I mean, this one tastes Imperial. In this is, I believe, seven point two percent. Okay, so but I mean. Just the amount of flavor that it's packing, mm-hmm. it feels like the booze is in there too. It doesn't feel boozy. It just feels it's like it's a, there's a substantial amount of alcohol accompanying yeah. it. What malt is there is bear, oyster cracker, like m- not much at all. Just a we had, <laughs> he added malt because he needed something for yeah. the to eat. <laughs> right. Enough to give it viscosity, though, right? Enough to mm-hmm. give it a, a, a definite a mouthfeel. It's not just, um, it doesn't feel like a session IPA or anything in terms of its, um, in terms of its viscosity, but it definitely has this overwhelming 
flavor of these hops, and that's really what is primarily your, your tasting. You mentioned they were a growler-only brewery. Yeah, his business model is kind of unusual, at least in this city. Uh, no kegs. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no no bottles or cans or anything for consumers. I think there but, are bottles for, like... Oh, for limited release, yeah. yeah limited like release. Uh, Heine's Good Cheer won uh, the Silver at the World Beer, World Beer Cup this year. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that he doesn't... I mean, I've I've never seen a case. You say of, he? Who is he? He is. Um, <laughs> why am I can't think of his name right now? Shoot. Uh, he was the brewer at the Church Brew Works, who won Large Brew Pub of the Year, and then he went off on his own to start Roundabout. Steve. Steve. Yes. Last name is Steve Sloan. Steve Sloan. Okay. Thanks for the cue. And um, yeah, he's been making great beer, but yeah, you don't see Roundabout on tap around town. So if he does wholesale to bars, it's really a rare thing. Most of the beer he sells is straight out of his front door, which, you know, keeps, you know, there aren't middlemen taking away. Mm -hmm. taking making money on his hard work. When I went there, there were plenty of people in there because they have a couple tables and they're Plenty of people in there drinking the beer uh, and coming yep. in and getting growlers and leaving. Food trucks. Mm-hmm. Food truck the pierogi truck is outside, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I mean, good for him. I mean, keeping... Found something that works, right? And keeping all the money for your hard, hard work instead of, you know, paying a wholesaler and a retailer. I really did like they had a, a sort of point of sale thing that was very neat. It was like an iPad that was on a swivel. Okay. It had a little card thing at the top and then you... Type in, if you want a receipt, you type in like where it gets okay. um, emailed to, and then you sw- swivel back when you're done. <laughs> That's okay. all it was. It was right. cool. That's cool. Do you want? Let's take a break from the hops. Yeah. Where do we go next? Thelonious, the, maybe. If you want to drink, take more hop, let's go. Yeah. Belgium. Okay. Yeah. So I picked this one up at D's a while back when I did. Yeah. I mean, as long as we're doing Sierra Nevada. Pale Ale, we should do another show, beer that we've had at least at least once, if not twice, on the show before. Yeah, I think uh, we've just done it once. But yeah, this is North Coast Brother Thelonious. Belgian style strong dark. 9.4% alcohol by volume. 27 IBUs. Cola colored with a Tannish head with little, 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 little bubbles. I know you didn't listen to any of the Saber Salons yet, but I've listened to a bunch. And the Trappist one from the Spencer, Spencer Beers, mm-hmm. um, Spencer Trappist, it, the Abbey name is different. I can't remember it right now. Uh, I want to try those now. They sound really interesting. They have the first Trappist-approved IPA. So not just, you know, it's interesting. As you think, oh, it's a Trappist brewery, they're going to be doing Trappist-style beers, which... Trappist isn't technically a style, but since all the Trappist breweries before this one was were in Belgium and Denmark, mm-hmm. they did styles of beer local to that. So, you know, there was a stereotypical style for Trappist-style beers made right. in Abbey's. No, that and, got a little away when you got, like, Orval and other things making these interesting... Well, I mean, Orval's still... They're making, you know... Uh, a breaded beer, you know, it's but still a Belgian character, yeah. right? So, I mean, the Spencer Brewery does do Belgians, but 
but they got the first, you know, they actually got approval from the, anything they put out, they have to get approval from like the Trappist Committee, which is mm-hmm. like a organization of all the Trappist breweries. And I guess probably the Trappist organizations that don't make beer either, the ones that make cheese or whatever. And uh, yeah, they got an IPA approved and it's like, yeah, I mean, we're an American brewery, you know, we'll make it an IPA. You know, Chimay's never made an IPA yeah. because there's probably not as much demand. And, and also, they're steeped in history, yeah. right? And, so. the, and the whole thing with the Trappists is, you know, they're monks, and they make this as, as their way of sustaining their livelihood, essentially. Yeah, I, mean, I don't want to quote. <laughs> I'm going to try to quote why a monk does yeah. what a monk does. But yeah, they, I mean, the, the Trappist order of monks, you know, they make cheese, they make beer, other products, and, and sell it, yeah. So I really want to try their beers now. I've kind of, I don't know, I, I don't think they're available in the market. If they are, I've had blinders on it. I've missed it. Mm. So I'm going to have to keep an eye out and make sure they're not here. Make, if they are here, I'm going to have to definitely grab them. Well, this is named after, this is not a Trappist movie. <laughs> this is named after Thelonious Monk, a uh, jazz artist. Um, but he has Monk in his name, so. Right. Go. That's why they went with the Belgian-styled theme. Yeah, they went all out with the label. You know, he has the saintly halo around his head, but, but the halo keys, has key, yeah, keys of piano, piano keys. Yeah. The smell is prunes and brown sugar. That's like the brown sugar, yeah. And I'm burping grapefruits <laughs> and pineapples and passion fruits from the last beer. This one, gold in the 2015 European Beer Star. And silver in the 2006 World Beer Championships in Chicago. A little bit of banana in there. In the aroma. It smells really good. It smells yeah. really, really good. It smells like a really rich Belgian double or something like that. Belgian candy sugar for sure. It gives it a little bit of a thinner body, but it definitely uh, brings out some of the more malty characteristics mm-hmm. as well. Right. Uh, the, the fruitiness of the yeast is coming through. Some of the estuary compounds of the yeast give it some floral stuff. So you get sort of a circus peanuts kind of flavor you get. Mm-hmm. Um, the prunes aren't as, at least yeah. in that first sip, they weren't as prominent in the flavor. I was getting more cherry in the flavor. On the first, I think it'll change. And I was getting this weird, like, spice tingly all over my tongue. Almost like a um, Sejuan peppercorn, like, spice. Like, I got this weird tingle, like, all through my mouth when I took that first sip. Interesting. It is very highly carbonated, which is typical of, of these Belgian-style uh, beers. It has, a, it has all the components of what you might expect out of a double. It's, 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 it's thinner than you might expect with its high alcohol, but... It does seem like a, you mentioned highly carbonated. I, to me, it feels like it, you know, the bottle it served in, it's not a Belgian bottle. Right. It just has a normal pry-off cap. It seems like it's a little lower on the carbonation scale for this kind of beer to me. Okay. I, yeah. And maybe that's giving it some of the, some of the feeling of lightness in terms of the body. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of this beer in, you know, a big, heavy 25-ounce Chimay right. bottle, that's right? True. This is going to have a lot more fizz to it. Yeah. I don't think it. I don't think it really uh, is a det- 
detrimental to the beer. I just think that yeah. maybe what it, I'm thinking of, maybe what I'm recognizing is high is more the fineness of the carbonation. It, it is. It is a really fine carbonation, yeah. but yeah, I, I do think it's kind of lower than average mm-hmm. for uh, a Belgian or an Abbey style double. relatively hard to pick out the alcohol even though it's nearing 10 it, it, oh, it I, wouldn't, it I well. wouldn't have guessed 10 yeah. i would have thought it was lower than the um 9.4 so green. i mean you're getting a lot of alcohol here it's very well hidden um like most belgian doubles i think this is a, this would go great with food uh, anything that would help to bring out some of the multi characteristics in the food like um any meat would really go well with this <laughs> any meat any meat Lamb in particular, mm-hmm. mutton or something like that. Something that has some gaminess mm-hmm. or uh, or at least some greasiness to it. Yeah, duck too. Yeah, duck. Obviously, hamburgers go fantastic with this. Yeah, caramelized onions on top of the burger, Swiss cheese. Oh yeah. <laughs> Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> but yeah, very good. Yeah, I'm certain we've had this on the show previously. Were you at that beer dinner, the North Con- or North Coast beer dinner? It was at Pines Tavern. Did you go with that to me? I go think so. With me to that? I think so. That was the one we had the ceviche. Yes, it was out on the patio, and, and I know this beer was in the mix. So. That was a while ago. That was when, like, you and I were the only ones who were eating the ceviche. <laughs> we were just like, That's oh. right. Everyone else was like, what? Raw fish? Yeah. No, like, it's cooked. Cooked with the acid. Can't cook with acid. Acid's bad. Denatures the proteins in just in a similar way, so <laughs> it is cooked. Mm. Yeah, good stuff. I like this beer. It, it, it also... It, it feels comfortable. It feels mm-hmm. very like, ah, oh, I can sit back with this. Absolutely. And yeah. just enjoy this. There's no rough mineraliness mm-hmm. or chalkiness that you might get on some of these. Or, you know, the sometimes like the, the cherry note can seem a little oxidized or cardboardy. Right. You know, it's not it's not hitting any of those pitfalls. I think this is tasting like right down the middle, you know, enjoyable. I would like to try it with a high level of carbonation in a, you know, strong bottle. Yeah. But they have those. That, I mean, they have like the the big. Oh yeah. Like, See, bomber. I bet you that's a better beer. Yeah. It could be. They have one in a you know seven fifty with a Cajun cork. I bet you that one. That's probably even bottle conditioned. I mm-hmm. bet you that that one's a better beer. That one will last longer for sure. Speaking of bottle conditioning, what have we got here? Nope. Super super clean bottom of the bottle. So this one. Was carbonated then bottled. You want to do the Sam Adams next? Might as well. All right. But Long first, shot but beer. First. Oh, but first. One of the things we just did was savor. We went and we got all this cool stuff that are on the feed now. Uh, thanks to the Brewers Association for letting oh, us come yeah, down. Absolutely, thanks for that. It takes a lot of work to get that up. I yeah. mean, we spent two hours prepping it. 
I probably spent six more hours posting this, like getting the stuff put in and posting it. And then, you know, Greg had to spend, you know, four hours or eight hours, you know, working. <laughs> working. Some of it was hard, especially when I got back and I had to. Yeah. Yeah, so Greg got back after the event that night, you know, so he's trying to upload files, probably slightly drunk, and um, then the next morning I got up and posted them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was it's a lot of work, so if you appreciate any of that work, we're not asking for money from you. Not We don't want money out of your pocket. Yeah. We just want you to go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Buy your Amazon stuff that way, craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. And it doesn't cost any more. They have this really cool referral program. And as long as you remember to use that when you start your Amazon shopping every single time, we get about six, six and a half, maybe seven percent if you guys use it a whole bunch. Yeah. And that just goes right back into the show. I mean, we don't use it for anything else. It's not going into our pockets. Yeah. We use it to buy equipment. We use it to, beer. to buy some beer. Yeah. That's it. It's maybe, maybe to buy tickets to go to cool places to learn some stuff. That's it pay taxes we do pay taxes on it <laughs> so surprising amount of taxes but uh, that's a different story for a different time thanks everyone craftbeerradio.com slash amazon alright so this is uh, Sam Adams sent us the three other long shot beers Right, and we tried. This is the second one that we're having on on the show. I think this is the this is the we didn't we're not gonna have the third one on the show. We we had the Flanders Red, which I thought was great. Did we do the Flanders? I think we did. Yeah. And, okay. Uh, and we did the Belgian in the um, pre-show. The pre-show, and so this is the Raspberry Berliner Weiss, which we also had at um, at the same Adams event, right? The yeah, yeah. Event. These were the three that out in, back in October they were mm-hmm. announced. Um, you know, these are production runs. The ones we had back then were the brewers recreating, you know, kind of a small batch of the beers. Uh, this one is Tim Tim Thompson from Nebraska who brewed this beer. Raspberry Berliner Weiss. It pours red. Lots of raspberry juice and things in there. 4.0% alcohol volume. 8 IBUs. So, I mean, I imagine he's using... The old hops that they might use or something, or <laughs> <laughs> just not a lot. Yeah, just not a lot. Um, it the the color is a it looks like Lindemans from Bose. It's, it's yeah, a deep it's red, deep red without getting like too dark. Not super dark red, although it's dark, but it's not like it's not nearing cola. It's still reddish. For as red as it is, it doesn't smell super fruity. No, it smells more lactic, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was expecting it to smell like sweet mm-hmm. raspberry concentrate, but no, it doesn't smell super fruity. It's a bright red beer, but I mean, you get a little bit of uh, a raspberry, but it's tempered with the tartness. It has now this is a Berliner Weiss style, so mm-hmm. they did a kettle sour right. and then added raspberries as opposed to a frambose, which would add raspberries to the fermentation and then wild yeast. wild yeast soured in wood whatever it is uh but it does kind of the way the raspberries are coming through in my nose is is very similar to a more rustic you know not lindemans but right, yeah. something more like uh remember that leafman's creek that we had or the leafman's rainbows we had mm-hmm. probably about six months ago mm-hmm. kind of like that 
Okay. There's a lot of actually raspberry coming through in the flavor. More there than is. I would expect. Yeah. At least that first sip does not taste medicine to me. No, I mean, I wouldn't expect that era of crappy fruited beers with extract is, is over, right? Watermelon Dorado. Well, <laughs> there are exceptions to everything ever said. But, you know, when we started the show, it was the rule that fruited beers were not very good because they had this medicine-y concentrate type mm -hmm. flavor to it, extract type flavor to it. And that's not the rule anymore. Now the rule is that they're either using fresh fruits or, con or you know, concentrates from fresh fruits or or they've gotten much better at using extracts you know yeah. whatever the case is for this one i mean this is a remake of, of a homebrew recipe sam and i mean sam adams is doing legit stuff right so i expect this is however tim did it when mm -hmm. he did his homebrew whether he used fruit or maybe he used concentrate maybe he used extract but they used it in a way that makes it taste good I mean, with the color, the I sort of expected he used fresh or at least some sort of con some sort of concentrate. Yeah, you wouldn't expect extract from yeah. this kind of flavor, but yeah, concentrate concentrate would be a lot easier to work with. Right. So I'm thinking that's probably likely. And at least you could like you could measure the pH of the concentrate and and, and work with that. Where it would be harder with the with the fresh fruit. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, if it tastes good, it doesn't matter how they got there. And the fruit is well implemented. Very much you so. get a little bit of tartness. You get a bright, I mean, it's it's real raspberry flavor. It tastes kind of like um, pie raspberries. Like if you have like a raspberry sure. pie or something like that, it kind of has, has a kind of an extra sweetness to it. It tastes a little bit like, you know, okay, that, 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 would, that was wrong. I was going to say Italian ice, but then it, that actually has a little more chemical. Yeah, I think it, you know the added sweetness makes it feel like a pie. You know, it's mm -hmm, kind of like, mm -hmm. and the tartness. It it's interesting. I'm trying to figure it out, right? Because my the first time I tasted it, I was gonna say a few sips ago, where it's like it does taste kind of like a frambose. It doesn't have the more lactic, you know, straight up lactic Berliner. But now as I'm drinking it, I'm changing my mind a little bit. Yeah, I think it almost it almost has a quality. What you you might expect with the lacticness of of a raspberry yogurt or something like that, right? So, mm -hmm. it, but more sour than than your typical yeah. raspberry yogurt. I, I, actually, that's a good point, right? Because there's kind of this creaminess to it. Mm -hmm. It almost feels like a, you know, instead of strawberries and cream, raspberries and cream, but it's not milky. It's the kind of the lactic mm -hmm. tartness or something like that. So it's kind of a Greek yogurt with raspberries. Yeah. The, the tartness, it, it's it's moderate. It, I wouldn't call it substantial, but I also wouldn't call it lacking. I think there's enough tartness in there that balances the beer. I think this is well done. I think it's very well done. It, it, it's, it's an intriguing one, though, because it's not like I would go to a bar and have a bunch of these. <coughs> <laughs> I wasn't coughing at Greg's statement. I just went down the wrong pipe. Um, but... <coughs> At, at the same time, it, it I think it is a good sort of aperitif, right? In between beers, it it it, um, it helps to give you both something enjoyable and something to 
broaden, you know, to, to, to allow you to go from one to another. Like we just went, you know, we were just in a, in a um, in essentially a, a double, Belgian double, and now mm-hmm. we're going to go, I assume, to an IPA. And this is a nice, like a sherbet in between. To just yeah, I mean, this, this is... Which is actually very enjoyable, too. Yeah, no, this beer is... I'm enjoying this beer a lot. I mean... More than I expected. It's yeah, yeah, but probably but, the best of the long shot bunch, actually. It may be, but what I'm saying though is the it, it, there is an interesting thing about it in which you wouldn't like necessarily buy a case of this beer. No, I could see myself getting a six pack and popping one on occasion. Yeah, exactly. You you would you would merit you would bring this out on occasion. You don't normally in between yeah. different beers right? yeah i mean during the penguin game tomorrow yeah. night i'm not gonna be drinking this right exactly this. exactly uh there's this beer has a specific sort of use it's it's not um yeah it's not i'm gonna buy a six pack and drink, yeah, drink this during the game or whatever but if you're if you're going from one beer to another in a, in a flight well, but you can't get a six pack of it you have to get a long shot pack so you're i gonna... think you can get six packs of long shots in some places right right but you're not getting a six pack of raspberry blender probably not if you could, though, this would be a great beer for that purpose. So, okay, that's an interesting question. Does the market support a use of beer as that sort of option? Oh, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know what to tell you about that one. I don't have a... I think we're not going to have another great craft beer 2.0 discussion like last week on that. I did buy, play last weekend when you were uh, Friday night, I went to play poker with some co-workers. So I went to Johnny Go to get a six-pack. And I uh, picked up a sixer of, I picked up two sixers. I picked up Southern Cheer IPA, which I just love that beer. Mm-hmm. But I, I picked up a sixer of uh, Grapefruit Rebel. You know, you know, like I always talk about, you know, Sam Adams, don't pass up Sam Adams. And now I'm here. I'm here with money in my hand. Well, I've had Rebel before a bunch of, you know, more than, more than a few times yeah. when I, when I, yeah, but, yeah, something and, yeah, it was, I mean, I was yeah. satisfied with it, but you know, it's like, do I get the grapefruit Rebel? I'm like, I got to, I've been preaching it for, <laughs> for too long. So and yeah, it was, it was, grapefruit Rebel is a good beer. So I say we go into the roundabout, the other roundabout that we Absolutely. have. This is the Humboldt Range, a double IPA with Green Bullet and Mosaic Hops. I think this was 11%. Humboldt Range. Green Bullet and Mosaic. Speaking of all the new hotness hops, I talked about this before we started recording, but I was a double wide. 9%. I was a double wide the other night. And Omegang had a single hopped beer that was Motuika. Single hopped Motuika. Like, oh shit, I gotta try that. And the, it was really interesting because when we had it before, we've got this vanilla flavor. Yeah. And I did get a tiny something that was maybe vanilla if you're hoping it's vanilla thing, like later. Well, the on one in we the had glass. before was from Duclaws, yeah. which I believe is also single hop. Or at least they only advertise that it's Motuic Hops. Was Duclaws, um, oh, I forget what the I name can't of remember the name of that beer either. But so 
I did find it eventually, but I was only if you're wishing for it. But the beer was, it was an aggressive beer. I mean, first couple sips, it tasted skunky. And the beer was draft beer served in, I was, you know, it didn't get light struck, but it had this skunky flavor to it. And then I would say, you know, it kind of had a bitter greens, like Swiss chard type flavor. And then it went into uh, passion fruit and pineapple. And, but I mean, it was, it was a great experience, but yeah, it was almost like one of those when like a latitude 48 deconstructed where they did like a single yeah. hop of Zeus, where it's like not a great beer, but I'm glad I had it. Right. The Motuika was, I was surprised that like, I mean, it was... Well, one of the nice things about Latitude 48 also was that it was the same base beer in all of them, so you could uh-huh. really compare yeah. the hop. Yeah. You really knew, okay, this is the base beer, so I can just isolate the hop from that. Where it's a little bit different in the other ones because sure. it's not the same base beer. But, I mean, check out... I recommend checking out that beer if you can find the Omegang Motuika. And, uh, again, it, like, it wasn't... It wasn't 100% a pleasure, but it was definitely fun to, to taste... Well, so this one contains mosaic, which if you've been a recent listener to the show, or at least in the past year, you know that we like mosaic. It's kind of tropical. Um, and Green Bullet, which I'm not very familiar with, so I just took a look and see what's there. It's a uh, bittering hop. Um, a cross-pollination of the New Zealand smooth cone variety. Um, tri- a triploid alpha variety. <laughs> anyway, bittering. Basically just used for bitter, not much flavor. Okay. So, Green Bullet. Uh, roundabout, you know, we the Pacific Gem had the Nelson hops in it, and this one has Green Bullet, which is a derivative of a New Zealand mm-hmm. hop. Uh, Steve's wife is from New Zealand, so and roundabouts are more popular in New Zealand than they are here. So there's kind of a Kiwi-type bend to the whole brewery. Lots of mango on the, on the nose. Lots. Yeah. Mango, passion fruit, everywhere in that very tropical genre. Little pineapple. It's kind of the best mosaic aromas in a glass, right there. It's it's really pulling and showing you the mosaic and every, what everyone loves in mosaic. We should start a hop farm and just plant mosaic. We'd mosaic be so rich. Galaxy. Be so rich. What's interesting to me is that it's not as hoppy as the Pacific Ring in some sense. It does it doesn't feel as strongly hop forward as the Pacific Ring. You're right. I mean, it's giving you different flavors. Mm-hmm. This one's giving you completely everything out of a tropical rainforest. The the added booze, I think. And I think this one has a little bit more malt character to it. For right? sure. For sure. There's more of a almost French bread, I would say. Something close to that, at least. Oh, my God. I mean, that is that is like stereotypical mosaic, right? Mm-hmm. If you like, if you want someone to know what exactly what mosaic tastes like, I mean, this is one of the best examples that I've had, right? It's all the nuance, all the mm-hmm. details of everything I've ever tasted that I've attributed to mosaic, all in the same beer. And what am I talking about those things? It's the mango. It's the passion fruit. It's um, 
some melon, a little bit of cantaloupe. Yeah, yeah, it's, for sure. Uh, or honeydew, even. Yeah. Oh goodness, that's good. It, it, it's it, it's interesting because it's it's on that on the surface it's it's like oh my goodness that's good, but now I'm thinking about like the Pacific Ring, which had a little bit more throughout. You know, it's like a, had a better through line. It had more of a hop through line. For yeah, sure. had more of a hop through line. Where this one has kind of a, this one seems a little more showy, right? This one's like, hey, look, mosaic. Well, this one is a year round offering, uh-huh. and the okay. Pacific Rim is a is a seasonal. That's impressive. They can make a mosaic beer this hoppy year round. That they have the contracts to to make this beer. Well, mosaic is not exactly a hard to find hop anymore. It's. Not necessarily an easy to it's find. It's not Cascade, hop. but it's not. No, but it's it's the hop. It's still the hop that everybody wants. Yeah, it is the prom queen. What's interesting is where does Mosaic come from? According to the research I just did right now, um, a Simcoe and a Nugget derived male produces this. this Actually. Another one of the Saver Salons. Thanks for the segue, Greg. Another one of the Saver Salons that was really awesome was the New York Hops one. Mm-hmm. They had a dude who works um, at one of the universities. Uh, Cornell, maybe. But he works for the hop industry of New York, right? Like, So, uh, works with breweries, works with hop farmers and whatnot. And really great details and information. And... Uh, the reason that you segued is because they were talking a little bit about hop breeding and how things came to like and actually i knew what you just said because of that podcast mm. and uh other things like you know because they're in the northeast and it's not the high desert you know they got to worry about downy mildew and more so instead of just getting rhizomes all the new york hops that are like part of this program they do like uh, tissue splices and they grow them up in the greenhouse and then they put them out you know so like there's no so they're like sterile there's no disease that can mm-hmm. be brought into it whatnot it's a that's one of the better podcasts from saber too so check that one out you, you might think that it's because it's new york that you know it might not be global inform globally informative but it was really good awesome this is a nice beer This. I don't think we've had a bad one. <laughs> no, it's been a pretty good show tonight. And then one last beer. Beer that made us like fall down and die the first time we had it. <laughs> we were resurrected. We came back and did more show. This is the 2016 Muffalee. 7.0% alcohol by volume, 18 IBUs. They use a lager yeast. They hop it with nugget. Malts are used are pale Munich, carapils, C80, and chocolate. And so this is also made in folders, right? So um, it's a blended beer. It's a blended beer. The base beer is fully fermented, filtered, then moved to barrels at room temperature. Barrels are aged for one to three years. Then it's a blend of two Oscar barrels. This is their one of their Oscars the dark the dark beer. yeah uh, acidifying and aging gives it uh, the, the tartness uh, then they 
the taste spirals over three months, blend different voters with different flavor profiles to make a single sour brown that is La Folie. Another great segue. There was a uh, Saver sa- Salon about, well, there was a photo one, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about uh, uh, Peter Buchart doing the Cooper's dance where he actually took apart a barrel oh, really? in the salon and put it back together. He uh, not the whole way, but he took the top off. Yeah. He uh, showed how like you can scrape like warts and stuff off the inside and whatnot, put the lid back on. So he talked a lot about La Folie and whatnot as well. So, but yeah, I was like, wow, they're in a salon and he's like in there with a hammer and you know like doing putting barrels together. Wish I would have seen that. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to really go to any of the salons I was running around so much, uh, making sure everything was mm-hmm. copacetic and everything, but. Because usually I get a chance to sit in on one or two of the salons, but right. not this time. So the color is a cola-ish color, right? Mm-hmm. Brownish with a little bit of red highlights and not much of a head. It smells um, mostly... Tart cherries is what I'm getting. So, like, not so much Brett, more um, citric acid in terms of the... Oh, oh, let me see there. I mean, their blend is... And lactic, too, but... It's their their wood cellar blend, right? Right. I mean, it's not like they're adding or pitching, Mm -hmm. you know, a White Labs, you know, wild yeast blend, right? I mean... It's it's whatever whatever they got around. But um, I'm smelling more, like, I don't smell like PDO. I don't smell like Brett so much. So a little bit of lactic acid. I smell mostly like citric acid and stuff like that coming off of it. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you know, I forgot this. I knew this, and then I forgot it, and then I learned it again listening to that thing. But, you know, Peter worked at Rodenbach before he mm-hmm. came to New Belgium. So, you know, he had a lot of experience working in the Rodenbach um, cellars. And, you know, they would always blend. So Peter's a huge proponent. He's like, he said in the in the Cooper's Dance uh, Salon, you know, always blend. You know, because the guy was asking a, a question on a homebrew scale. He's like, well, it gets harder, but I still got to say always blend, you know. And then he mentioned in Rodenbach, you know, they always blend it. But you know, every once in a while, there'd be a photo that would be awesome. And it would be done in like a year or less. And like, that's when they do Grand Cru off that photo. Mm. Interesting. Fooder. Fooder, I guess. It's, the I say fooder. And I remember when we, when we were out there, how they had some of the photos with the fooders with the hearts on them. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's so whenever you see a, a New Belgium love, it's from one of the love fooders, which is like the ones that have the extra special, the extra perfect. Um, microbiota in it. Whatever that, happens in there to make that it. That makes yeah. delicious beers on a more consistent basis than, you know, the regular regular fooder. Interesting. That is interesting. So, not as mouth puckering as, as they might want you to believe, particularly on the, well, particularly for us, I I should say. Uh, particularly based on, you know, they talk about mouth puckering a lot on, on the buyer, but definitely very sour um, and uh, pretty complex with a lot of. Um, a lot of a through line. What interests me is when I look at the malts. Pale malt, sure, that makes sense. It's, you know, 
Munich malt. Okay, there's definitely some sort of deeper, darker stuff going on here. Carapils. Interesting, not maybe what I might have expected, but I can sort of see a Carapils going on here. It's a slightly darker Pilsner malt. Okay. C80. Now, C80 is a sort of a darker malt. It's not the darkest. Not it's the, the darkest, moderate. but it's, it's moderate. It, I mean, crystal, yeah. And then chocolate. Mm-hmm. So they're really definitely trying to get... They're not going caramel so much. Right? They're not just doing a direct caramel oh, sure. malt. No, I mean... Doing, uh, well, think about it, right? Because, you know, Peter's from a European brewing background. Yeah. You know, caramel malt is more of an English thing, right? Where Europeans are going to use more Munich Vienna... Caramelic things like that, so that's how they get the darkness, and it's uh, a different process to get there. So it's less sweet and caramelly and sugary, and it's yeah. more bread crusty and yeah. rustic and things like that. I'm gonna take a picture here of the beers before I forget. You know, that first Lafalie we had, which was like eating the skin off your cheeks, right? <laughs> that was, I don't think it was necessarily palate drift, that we don't think these are as tart. I think that they're just making a different product. That was a pretty early version of Lafalie that we had within, the first, within yeah. the first four years, right? And I think that they've gotten their process down. And this beer is not a, lager, a slacker mm-hmm. with tartness. I think that... The beer that we got those first two times, or at least that first time, was probably a lot more acidic and yeah, sour. Yeah, this is more than moderating. Than, than what they than what Peter wanted, right? Than what the yeah, the right. Wanted. Yeah, so this, this is more moderating it, it, its its tone to be more along the lines of I think what Peter actually wanted, as opposed to just a, a, a tear your your cheeks off sour, and that's probably better for the overall perception of the beer, although. It, it that first time we were exposed to La Folie that made a marker in our oh, brains for sure. that you get, can't really be reproduced. So I know I don't know how you how you can quantify that. We can only say that this beer is. To, I mean, it's clearly intended to be as sour as it is, mm-hmm. and intended to not be any, any more sour than it is, and it works. Mm-hmm. But there, there. If you are desiring a super sour, this is not going to be the beer that gives you that super sourness. I think it's pretty. I mean, no, it's not super sour. It's yeah. not rip your face off. I think this one, the 2016 Lawfully, is probably better than the last one I had, which I don't know which year that was. But I remember this one's giving me enough sour. I'm satisfied with the sour in this one. And I was, I'm simply saying if you yeah. want like, but sour no, I mean kids. like the last time I had it, mm-hmm. I'm, or maybe not the last time, but like a recently, semi recently, sometime in the last three years that I had it, I was n- not satisfied. And you have it. to wonder about how flight plays in that too. There, there's lots of other issues. Um, this is a very interesting flight that we had, and, and I think we moderated it well based yeah. on what we. Knew. I had a really good beer like this, uh, Bullfrog, in Cooperstown, Pennsylvania. They did a, a, a Old Brune Creek. <laughs> I had it on draft the other day. It was really, really good. Hmm. It was like everything I was looking for. Hmm. Interesting. All right, so time to play with our gimmick. You mean the ranking? Rank this sucker, Jeff. Go. 
Um, okay. I gotta put this here in, in the last place. Hard luck loser, right? But I knew it was gonna be there with this lineup. But I wanted to taste it to make sure I could still commune with the craft beer drinkers of 1982. <laughs> and I can. I appreciate that beer. Sure. It was there. And uh, it just, you know, the average craft beer, you know, is going to be bigger and hoppier in that. But it's still a solid beer. You could definitely look at it as being a good option for a gateway beer. However, a beer that is, um, you know, mosaic and less apparently bitter might actually be better for, for, you know, getting people into hops who don't think they like hops. I don't know, but it was good. In fifth place. Hmm. No, it gets tough. This was a good flight. This was a good, yeah, very good flight. Um, golly. Uh, shoot. Um, let's do the, uh, Brother Thelonious. I don't like putting it there, but I think I, eh. Look, yeah. no, no losers. Yeah, no right. losers. It's tough. Okay, I'm going to put the Brother Thelonious there next. I like that beer a lot. I have no complaints about it. I would like to try the bottle in the... The corked bottle, which probably has higher carbonation. It probably tastes more authentic for the style. But this one was, like I said, it avoided tons of pitfalls. It was um, smooth sailing except for the lower carbonation. In fourth place, I'm going to put the Imperial IPA from Roundabout. The Humboldt Humboldt Range. It was a specimen for Mosaic hops. Mm -hmm. It pretty much delivered everything I've ever attributed to mosaic all in one beer it's in fourth place because um its sister the pacific ring i think had was more interesting to me and let me see this but i'm not going to put the pacific ring next i'm going to put this is real tough (laughs) it's a virtual tie um Follow your heart. Yeah, I know. I think I'll put the Lawfully in third place. I enjoyed it. Uh, it's in third place because I think I enjoyed, uh, I think that long shot beer, I think the way the raspberries were implemented, I, I got to give them props. I got to give them props for the way they implemented that beer. I just think that it was a hell of a drinker. And the Lawfully was a little bit less of a drinker. I, you know, I'm drinking it and well, I think the sourness was good. I wanted a little more depth that seemed to be missing which the the long shot probably had and then i think i'm with the pacific ring in first place i just really like the combination of the nelson and the cascade i mean come on just cask boring old cascade i've had cascade a thousand times mm-hmm. and this one really with the combination of the nelson really brought something interesting and that beer was satisfying the whole way through and it just it was it was just a very satisfying beer i think that's about all i can say Right, on to me. Well, we talked a little bit about Boring Old Cascade, and um, Sierra Nevada is an example. And in a sort of why it hits in last place, it's, it's as I said, it, it, it's more of a, it's a Lego brick of a beer. Beers are now built out of these things that Sierra Nevada is mm-hmm. now. So, while at one point, 
you know, it was special. It's not so much special anymore, but it's still good to go back and say, yeah, this, there, there's nothing bad about this. In fact, this beer would be above some of the other beers we've had over, over um, even this year. But in this in this flight, it doesn't quite uh, stand up to the rest of the beer. Number five, I'm going to put the Humboldt Range. I I did like it, but it it did feel like... Um, it didn't have as much expression as the other beers that were being presented here. It felt safe is not the right word, but uh, but but more um, as more safety belts, I guess, was more boxed in to, okay. to itself. Uh, number four, I'm gonna put the uh, gonna put the La Folie because it was here. I was really having a. a a tough choice between that and the brother Flonius. I thought they both were excellent, but which one was in front? I kind of felt like the brother Flonius was just slight, just slightly ahead for various reasons. Not none that really mean anything to anybody mm-hmm. except for me. But so I just put the North Coast in number three and the New Belgium in number four. And then we had this thing between the Long Shot and the Pacific Ring, and this is going to be for me. A little bit of an expression of something that I expressed during the show, which is that where does the the Pacific, where does the I'm sorry the San Adams fit in a commercial sense? Okay, I'm not sure, but in a total sense, in the sense of do I want this in my fridge? The answer is yes, I do. I do want this in my fridge because no matter what else I put in there, this is a great way to to step between them mm-hmm. and that i can't necessarily say about the pacific ring so for that reason we're going to put the long shot number one because no. th- there's a place there's a total place for this and it's excellent at what it's doing and that needs to be like highlighted i think and and you know if you're saying okay i'm going to give you a raspberry blender rice yeah. and a flanders red which one are you going to like and i'm talking about the long shot flanders red yeah I would say the Flanders Red. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so this guy has, you know, Dark Horse on him. He came yeah. from behind on the final stretch and blew past the favorite. Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, I mean, that's something that I want to give props to that beer for, too, because it, it, it's almost playing with a handicap. You don't think Raspberry Blinderweiss is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. You think it's going to be, oh, it could be interesting, but you don't think yeah. it's going to be awesome. As as something to have around, I think it's an excellent thing to have around. I wish it was more available. You just need to make friends with Tim and he'll send you a keg. <laughs> All right, so I guess that's Craft Beer Radio for this week. That is. <laughs> so, Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. You can visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. If you want to contact us, you can contact us in many ways. You can use email oh, beer. If you want to contact us, contact us via Twitter. Okay. All right, fine. Twitter. At Craft Beer Radio. At CBR Greg. At Jeff Bear. If you want if you don't want him to see what you're telling, type into me. You can DM me. Uh, uh, there's also the email, beer at craftbeerradio.com. And uh, that's about it. This song is uh, called uh, Flash Junk Mind from Milky Chance found it on Amazon Music and I actually like this whole album a whole bunch